Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Tuesday, February 6th, and today we are reading in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous on page 24, the second paragraph. Today's readers are, and thank you for your service, Susan H., Martha Z., Barbara E. The reference number for yesterday's Vision for You meeting Monday, 7 a.m., 11,006, that's 11,006, and for yesterday, Monday, February 5th, the 10 a.m. meeting, 11,008, that's 11,008. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Cecilia H. to read the 12 steps, please. Go ahead, Cecilia. Good morning. This is Cecilia H. from Pittsburgh. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm grateful for my daily reprieve. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Cecilia H. I will now ask for Tony Ann A. to please read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Tony Ann. Good morning, I'm Tony N.A. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Montclair, New Jersey. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon our unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, 
A loving God is he expressed himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous accepting, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has the one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, one readers anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, Anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Tony Ann. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request, however, that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous on page 24, the second paragraph that starts with the almost certain consequences through three paragraphs where it ends on so many want to stop but cannot. Comments will be on all paragraphs. I will now ask for Susan H. to begin reading. Go ahead, Susan. Hi, this is Susan H. I'm a a recovered compulsive eater from Ohio, and I'm grateful to be able to read this morning. The almost certain consequences that follow taking even a glass of beer do not crowd into the mind to deter us. If these thoughts occur, they are hazy and readily supplanted with the old threadbare idea that this time we shall handle ourselves like other people. There is a complete failure of the kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on a hot stove. The alcoholic may say to himself in the most casual way, it won't burn me this time, so here's how. Or perhaps he doesn't think at all. How often have some of us begun to drink in this nonchalant way and after the third or fourth pounded on the bar and said to ourselves, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again? Only to have that thought supplanted by, well, I'll stop with the sixth drink or what's the use anyway? When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid 
and unless locked up, may die or go permanently insane. These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history. But for the grace of God, there would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many want to stop, but cannot. Um, what kind of jumped out at me this morning was that the, the almost certain consequences that follow taking even a glass do not crowd into the mind. The consequences never entered my mind in my former life. The misery and shame that always rose from my compulsive eating forgotten so I could again take that first compulsive bite and experience that sense of ease and comfort. Many times I said it won't burn me this time, so here's how. And all the diet programs, all of them, agreed. Maintenance was taking the allergic substances in moderation. I just did not understand that taking just a bite, open floodgates I could not shut on my own power. Let me see here. I am very grateful for this book and how it breaks down the obsession of the mind and the allergy of the body. This knowledge opened the door to my willingness to trust a power higher than myself. Grateful to finally shine a light on my powerlessness and accept it in my heart of heart. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Susan H., for starting us out. Now, who would like to share on what was read? Lisa B., Patty Craig, Kim Lillian M., Rita K. Okay, hold on one sec. We're going to take about five people, five or six people. I've got Lisa B., Patty A., Larry K., Rita K. There was someone else in there I missed. Kim G. from South Jersey. Kim G. Let's just take one more person. All right. Well, we can go with that. Tina S. All right. Tina S. All right. So let's go. Lisa B. followed by Patty A. Go ahead, Lisa. Good morning. Thank you, Amy, for your service. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And this is such a powerful, powerful reading. Um, You know, there's a few words that jump out for me. And one is um, think. (laughs) And the other one is um, himself. You know, I have to realize that I'm the problem. My thinking is my problem. And one of the things that I've been realizing lately now as a recovered person is that this isn't even my life to live. And I never would have agreed with that coming in. I, I never would have wanted to. Um, surrender to that kind of a philosophy. But when I am living my life my way, I pull everything down on myself. And, you know, um, it's amazing this reading because it's the exact opposite of what is talked about in the 10-step promises. It says, if tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. But here in this reading, he's talking about that we don't have the kind of defense that can keep us from putting our hand on a hot stove. And I just saw that this morning and I was, when I was reviewing the reading of, wow, that's amazing that they, they bring that back, that hot flame in the 10-step promises. And I had to go through those steps, um, all, everything against my will, really, abstinent 
to experience that transformation. And then when we look at in the 11-step promises, you know, it talks about what used to be the hunter, the occasional inspiration, gradually becomes the working part of the mind. So here, my mind is not my enemy anymore. I'm in a recovered state, but I need to always stay linked up, tethered to my source, that power. And it begins with putting the food down entirely, which is not comfortable, and then working these steps with the desperation of a drowning person and then letting letting this transformation happen. I don't bring it about myself, but this is what happened to me. And now my work, my mind can work on a higher plane, which is so wonderful and liberating. Today I'm not so afraid of myself, but here in this reading on page 24, this is a frightening place to be. And it's like I'm really just being operated by something else bigger than me, which is the disease. But now today I'm operated by something that's bigger than me, which is my higher power, which actually lives through me, through that conscious contact, but getting unblocked through the steps. That transformation is just wonderful. And then it says so many want to stop but cannot. And it says, but for the grace of God, there would be thousands. Everything is by the grace of God. But I have to put myself in position to receive that grace. Thank you so much, Pat. Thank you, Lisa B. Patty A, followed by Larry K. Go ahead, Patty. This is, this is Patty K um, in Florida. Um, you know, this I really needed to hear this yesterday. I chose to overeat, still not my alcoholic substances, but it wasn't even that. It was the um, thoughts that I had to overeat, um, you know, and then it was like, how the hell did I get here? And then it was, well, I don't even care. I just threw everything aside and I realized this morning, I, you know, that it was just, it was fear because of things that I'm going through, um, you know, and I don't want to quit, but yesterday I did and I was going to, but, um, and, you know, it won't hurt me this time. It's abstinence. It's my non-alcoholic food. Um, I'll get right back on the bandwagon. My notice lately, to be honest, is just getting more and more of the non-abstinent food. So when does it turn into the abstinence? to the alcoholic substances that I choose not to eat today, um, you know, and the, for God's sakes, how did I ever get started again? I got started because I'm, I'm fearful. There's a whole lot of fear going on in my life right now, and um, I'm not turning it over and trusting God. So, um, you know, and there is human aid. I haven't placed myself in human aid. I go to meetings. I have y'all. I have other phone calls to make. I have this recovery, the 12 steps. Um, you know, but for the grace of God, you know, there are thousands and I, and I don't want to be a, one of those thousands that don't want to stop but cannot because I can stop if I, if I, um, if I keep coming back and I keep doing this, you know, that he doesn't think at all. Perhaps he doesn't think at all. I thought the whole time, I don't need to be doing this. Um, you know, first it started out as one abstinent food and then it was, I was picking as I was preparing my meals and stuff. So, you know, I can see the, um, the progression of my disease and the progression of my um, dropping this, you know, I, I don't want to go back. If I go back, I'm going to pick up other substances that I'm allergic to as well. And it's just, it, I think things are bad now. They're going to be horrible if I pick everything up. I'm going to lose everything, you know. I lost my husband in July and I'm, I'm a soul. Um, he left me nothing. So I, I have a house and things like that to do. And it scares the crap out of me. And you know, so far God's provided and I have to remember that and just keep going. And even if I lose the house, is remember that God's got a plan. Uh, Patty, we lost you. 
but looks like we're out of time anyways. We're going to move ahead to uh, Larry Kay. Thank you, though, Patty. Larry Kay, it's your turn, followed by Rita Kay. Good morning. Good morning, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. <clears throat> my timer here. You know, I thought I, <clears throat> I thought I overate because um, because I was going through a divorce, and I thought I overate because I had panic attacks, and I thought I overate because my boss wanted to fire me, and I was fearful, and I had all those things, and I none of those reasons were why I overate. I had an obsession of the mind and I was beyond human aid because all the psychotherapy in the world, all the group therapy, if you come on this line, it may feel good. But if the obsession is alive and well, this won't, this is not the solution. The spiritual solution is through the work in the steps and nothing else. There's nothing else for me other than the work in the steps. And the paradox is that we think, you know, we can't do this ourselves. Of course we cannot. But the paradox is we are beyond human aid. And I think, you know, that in many of the 12-step rooms throughout the world, we've, we've gotten away from the solution of spirituality. And in its place, in these rooms, we're desperately trying to find a solution through some sort of psychoanalytic method. You know what I mean? We're trying to process and make sense of past traumas and what's going on right now and broken relationships and the horrors of our addictions. And here's the outcome. Nobody is getting well. Nobody's having a spiritual awakening as a result of coming on this line. Nobody is having a spiritual awakening as a result of coming in a room because none of those things were intended to produce an essential psychic shift. Now, I'm not crapping on the value of group support. It's nice, but let's not delude ourselves into thinking that this is the solution. There is a solution. It's a spiritual solution. I am beyond human aid. When I'm sitting outside of a CVS or a Walgreens debating whether or not I should go in and have the food, that's because the obsession has not been lifted. Who am I kidding myself? The obsession is lifted when we're brought into alignment, not with the group, think. The obsession is lifted when we're brought into alignment with our higher power. That comes through the implementation of the steps and nothing more. Thank God for this solution. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Rita Kay, your turn. Thank you. Good morning. This is Rita Kay, Kansas, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And, wow, I just had to share on this part um, the same thing that Larry was actually talking about. Uh, when this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid. And I can identify with that, you know, just knowing that all the human stuff that I had sought off, all sought out, all the medication, talking to the doctor, you know, all the even even my my nutritionist plan, you know, everything, all the human stuff. I had placed myself beyond that age because I had shut myself, you know, to anything that God was trying to do in my life concerning concerning this disease. And you know, I'm one of those people that it talks about. 
an alcohol, an individual with alcoholic tendencies, you know, when it comes to the food. And that was me. And the thing about it, for me, the presence of God is woven all throughout this book, throughout the big book and throughout the steps. You know, it's got to be that way for me because there is a spiritual foundation to this program, and that's the only way that it's working for me. Uh, when I really had shut myself off from everything and said, I will never do this again. I will never come back to the rooms again. I, w- I will never. I, I, I. You know, but yet I don't know why, but one morning in April of 2017, I dialed into this meeting and, you know, and I felt a presence. And that was my experience because I knew that I was where God wanted me to be. And you know, it wasn't going to be a human thing. It wasn't going to be something that I would just get because I'm intelligent, you know, or because I'm all that. But it had to be something because I yielded to, for me, what was the presence of God. And, you know, we read this every day on page 164. It says, you must remember that your real reliance is always upon God. And so when I see a sentence that says beyond human age, beyond human age, for me that means that my reliance is upon God. And for me, the spiritual foundation of this program is woven throughout this book. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Rita Kay. Kim G., followed by Tina S. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And it's very important for me. I'm sorry, that's my remote start deep in there. Had to turn my car. It's cold outside in Jersey. Um, it's always important for me to personalize this stuff. So it says, the almost certain consequences that follow even taking a glass of beer do not crowd into my mind to deter me. If these thoughts occur, they are hazy and readily supplanted with the old threadbare idea that this time I shall handle myself like other people. You know, I love that word supplanted, and it's used further in, in the reading today because it's easily you know, it's talking about easily replaced by. So what are those things that are easily replaced by? You know, for me, you know, especially towards the end, I wasn't going to binge. You know, you don't understand, man. I just need to get the edge off. That's all I'm going to do. Just get the edge off. You know, I remember I was six years abstinent. I was on the region board, and I had been my inner group chair, and I was asked to um, run for world service trustee. And I didn't want to be world service trustee, and I'm not doing any set work. And I don't know how to say no to people. So what I, my logical alcoholic mind said, well, why don't you just pick up? Because if you pick up, then you will not be qualified for this position and you can just get back on track. And that was the thought that was supplanted in my mind, not understanding the disease. And honestly, at that point, once I picked up, I couldn't get eight, nine months, then eight, nine weeks, then eight, nine days, then eight, nine hours. You know, that thought was supplanted with, you know, I'm at gold weight. I can afford the calories, which is the truth. I can eat on the truth because that is true. I can afford the calories, not understanding what my mind is doing. You know, I remember being abstinent for a while and being in line at the grocery store and seeing white chocolate peanut butter cups. Well, I mean, how could I go the rest of my life knowing I've never tasted white chocolate peanut butter cups? Off to the asylum for Kim. You know, I have my 30-day coin. I have my 60-day coin. I'm going to be okay. I'm just going to have a slip and get right back on track. 
you know, yes, yeah, sure, I'm allergic to flour, but what if it's organic? What if I buy it from Whole Foods at a high-end grocery store? You know, my, my, a good friend of mine um, in, in my area, we both are Catholic school kids, and she's allergic to flour as well. And she broke her accidents because her sister bought bread from the nuns, and two of the ingredients on the back of the bread said love and kindness. Well, how can you not eat bread if it's made by ingredients of love and kindness by nuns? That is the insanity of my mind. And I'm going to end with this. I know. I remember so clearly having a, you know, wanting to be a good coworker, buying a dozen donuts, and saying on my drive to work, well, you know what? I'm going to have my one or two right now because that's what I'm entitled to. And by the time I get to work, I realize I've eaten six. And then what's the use anyhow? I'm not going to bring six donuts in, and I'm just going to have the rest of the donuts before I go in the office. How do I have a defense against that? I do not. That is the thinking. And if you can identify with that thinking, then you are without defense against that first drink. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Tina F., you are up. Thanks, Amy, for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Oh, great stuff, great stuff. Uh, yeah, sorry, just had to laugh about the white uh, peanut butter cup thing. I haven't seen it. So my mom was like, oh, my God, I wonder what that is. Sorry. Uh, a little distracted there. <laughs> anyway, you know, I love that it talks about my thinking here. But the bottom line for me, you know, because I know, and, and it tells me in the big book that my disease centers in my mind, and, and that is the good and the bad news. And, and what I also know is that if I'm, if I'm still putting that stuff, the, the foods that I'm allergic to in my body, I'm not even paying attention to my thinking, let me just tell you. And it is not, there's not going to be a transformation. So, you know, one of the things that I know and that I reinforce for myself, and I say this for me, you know, is that, you know, one day at a time I have to, you know, stay away from my allergic foods. I really just have to. And, and so then I have a shot, you know, with this thinking, you know, if there is a solution, steps two through 12, and that is the solution. Because I also know if I'm, if I'm staying in, in the first step, I, I've been there for years, you know, being um, powerless and unmanageable, been there for years. You know, it is about, you know, taking that next step, believing that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity. And it does, you know, it says, it, it says in the big book, black and white, you know, there'll come a time we won't have a mental defense. That defense must, must come, a, come from a power greater than myself. And I love that it was talked about that no human aid can relieve my uh, alcoholism, no human aid, because I wanted somebody else to do it for me. I still at times want somebody else to do it for me. I'm tired. Thank you very much. You know, I, I still want somebody else to do it for me. You know, but I also know that when I'm, I'm talking to somebody, when I'm on this line, you all let me know that I got to do the work. If I want the transformation, I have to be the one to do the work. And I continue to want that one day at a time because I love what I get today. The life that I have beyond my wildest dreams. I want more. I am a person of more, and I want more. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Just to remind folks where we are, we're on page 24, second paragraph, reading through three paragraphs, ending in so many want to stop but cannot and commenting on all. Okay, who else would like to share? Barbara Mary T. E. Nerea R. Monica Muscle. T. Leah M. Reva P. Leah Monica T. And Monica. Okay, hold on. Uh, Reva P. Okay, so I have Barbara E., I think it was Mary R, Leah M, Monica T, Reva P. Probably take one more, one or two. Carla Leah P. R. 
Paul and G. <laughs> I heard Harlan G, but that didn't sound like you, Harlan G. Okay, anyway. I was using my spokesperson this morning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's go with what we got here. I've got Amy, Robert. is it Mary R or Nerea R? Nerea. It's Nerea. Sorry, Nerea. I, was, okay. I didn't hear your no first. Okay, so we got Barbara E, Nerea R, Leah M, Monica T, Reba P, Harlan G. We'll see how we can get everyone in, okay? So, Barbara E, you're up, and Nerea, you're next. Okay, go ahead, Barbara. Good morning, everyone. It's Barbara E, and I'm so glad I was able to get on. I got my new monster iPhone yesterday, and I'm not really quite sure how to work it, but I do know how to work this program. For me, the action of certain substances always set off the allergy and the compulsion to keep eating more of those products, which certain people, like me, are unable to stop eating beyond all reason. I cannot break the cycle if I don't. The tools got me abstinent, but the steps, the psychic moral change, where it was what relieve the compulsion, the thought about trying it all over again. Because the truth is, I never really thought about the consequences. Once that thought came into my mind, I need something to relax. I'm going from work to being at home, a mother, a cook, a monitor of homework assignments, a laundress. I need something just to relax. I'll go into Dunkin' Donuts and just get a dozen to eat on the way home. Or I'll stop right next door at Burger King and just get a Whopper and fries to eat on the way home to calm me down. I never, ever, ever thought about the consequences afterwards because I knew that once I was off and running, there was no stopping me. So I needed the psychic moral change that I only hear about when I read the big book and go through it thoroughly and honestly with a step sponsor that has relieved, as the promises said, the compulsion to look at Dunkin' Donuts or Burger King or any place. You fill in the blank and I would look at it and go for it. No thought of it. It doesn't occur. It's beautiful art, like in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. I wouldn't take a Monet off the wall. I'm not going to go in and eat that food. Only a psychic moral change that had to come about in its own time. I couldn't rush it. I had to wait for it patiently and lean into it and accept that everything happens in God's time. I really didn't want to have to bury my phone. Oh, thank you. I assume that cough meant through. I didn't want to have to bury my old phone and say shiver for it in the backyard. But I'm grateful I got a new phone, and I'm grateful that I get to speak on it today with you. I wish you all a blessed day. I pass. Thank you so much. All right, so we're going in to Nerea R. As soon as I can stop this timer. Nerea R, go ahead. You're up, followed by Leah M. Can't hear you, Nerea. 
Oh, hi. Sorry, I was muted. Can you hear me? There you are. I hear you now. Oh, hi. Hi, everybody. Um, good good afternoon from Moscow. This is Nerea uh, R, compulsive overeater. Um, and it's the first time I share, so I'm a little, little nervous. But anyways, um, the, this, these three paragraphs are amazing, like the, where it says consequences do not crowd the mind to deter. And I think of like um, the Moscow Metro that has like thousands of people and like me, my little me trying to get through to get on the platform when the other thousands of people are going in opposite directions. And that's what it was like before. Like I had really good reasons for not wanting to eat, but the other thousands of reasons, or they weren't really many reasons, they were just big reasons, like I need to zone out, I need oblivion, um, I can't do this, I'm scared. Um, those crowded out any kind of logical path or any kind of, um, you know, any any kind of spiritual progress or uh, anything rational in that point. And then when it says it won't burn me, you know, I'm always, I always think of Einstein's definition of insanity. Because um, that's what I felt like, doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. It's like, oh, this time I can handle it. This time I can handle it. And I went through, uh, for the past, well, not now, but um, in the past, I did fasting every year where I would go one week, two weeks, three weeks fasting. And I was like, okay, this time I've reset my body. When I reintroduce, everything's going to be fine. And, of course, everything wasn't fine. Um, but I, but each time it was like, this time's going to be different. This time's going to be different. Um, and then it, I look back and I think, well, where did I go wrong? How did it get started? And I really have no idea most of the time. Um, and, you know, since I had already messed up, well, I might as well just go ahead and go all out. Kind of the whole, well, I screwed up, so why start now? I'll start over again tomorrow and then tomorrow and then tomorrow. Um, and tomorrow never came. Uh, and, you know, it's it's this disease is so... It's so difficult because it always says that there is a tomorrow, but the reality is that there really isn't a tomorrow. Um, and when I finally accepted it with my, actually with my abstinence date, it's 12, 13, 16. And the thought occurred to me, how cool would it be if it was 12, 14, 16? So, you know, maybe I should just like binge one more day. That way I have like a cool abstinence day. And, you know, the thought that came in my mind was like, no, you're doing it today. It's going to be 12, 13, 16, whether it's cool or not cool, that's your date. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful to the program. I'm learning how to give up control. I'm learning how to go with the flow. Um, and it's all thanks to you guys and, uh, and the recorded um, talks, which I listen to. And I want to thank everyone very much and have a wonderful day. Thank you, Nuria R. Leah M., you are up, followed by Monica T. Thank you, Amy G. There is a complete failure of the kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on a hot stove. I mean, it really is fascinating. Our book says cunning, baffling, and powerful, and it it absolutely is. You know, when I looked back at my history, you know, and there would be, you know, just this tremendous motivation, let's say, and, and focus, you know, to, uh, to uh, stay abstinent, and then all of a sudden, you know, picking up that first bite seemed like the greatest idea. It was like my mind was hijacked. I have a mind which takes me back to that which is killing me over and over and over again. And if I had a bit of premeditation or precognition, 
certainly the obsession of the mind would override that. You know, I'm not stupid. I was a fairly bright kid. I went to an Ivy League college. I had a good memory. You know, if I burn my hand on a hot stove, I remember that. And I take action to prevent that from happening again. You know, I don't put my hand on a hot stove to see it'll burn again and, and, you know, melt my flesh. Binge foods, compulsive overeating had burned me over and over and over and over and over again for years, for decades. But for some strange reason, left to my own personal devices and resources, I could not remember what compulsive overeating did to me. All I would focus on it was what it was going to do for me. And believe me, when I said I wasn't going to binge anymore, wasn't going to pick up anymore, wasn't going to act like that anymore, lie like that anymore, not behave like that anymore, I really, really, really meant it. (laughs) And then I ate again and again and again and again. It's like I could not connect the dots. I, I could not learn from my experience until this disease pummeled me. You know, I had always thought that I was making a decision merely choosing to change my mind and pick up that first bite, but then through bringing this text to life by someone in whom the problem had been solved and and seeing the greater aspect of the disease, I was not changing my mind. I was compelled to pick up that first bite beyond my ability to control it. Lack of power was my dilemma. Unless I humbled myself by taking this first step, I did not need the rest of the program. And, of course, that didn't come by any virtue. I was beaten to a bloody pulp by this disease. Let me make that clear. Because if I thought I had power over this disease and the food, then I did not need to believe in a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity, and I did not understand the necessity and the urgency for the steps. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. Monica T., you're up, followed by Reva P. Go ahead, Monica. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. Wow, Leah took it. Diddle, 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 Leah. All right, so here we are in the chapter, There is a Solution. And i got a big problem. I have an enormous problem. My mind, my thinking I have an inability to think straight when it comes to this part of my life, food. And I'm insane, inability to think straight there. And why is that? The big book here is, is you know, uh, why do I do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result? Because my mind is not working right in this area this obsession of the mind, this inability to think straight in this area. And I had to learn this. You know, I had to come to this understanding that my thinking was the problem. It wasn't the food. You know, the allergy part is the easy part. Monica, if you don't put it in your mouth, you don't set off the craving. Simple. You did it every time you started a new diet. But why would I always go back into the food? Well, my thinking is the problem. There's two things going on here. My mind tells me a lie that I believe every single time. And the other thing, I have no memory of the consequences or of the resolutions that I've made. 
I'd get up every morning and I'm going to be good today. I'm going to follow my plan today. I'm not going to binge today, walk out in the kitchen and start eating. Isn't that insane? Isn't that crazy? I have an inability to think straight. You know, I'm, I, I believe I was born this way. It's not my fault. I've got this, but I've got to realize I have it, and I can't think my way out of a paper bag. You know, talking about burning your hand on a hot stove, there's no memory there. You know, I know that as a little girl somewhere, as I stuck my hand on a hot stove and I burnt my hand. And you know what? To this day, I'm 64 years old. I have never intentionally stuck my hand on a hot stove to see if it would burn me this time. But my insane mind says with food, well, why don't you try your elbow? It won't hurt that. And I have no way, no way out of this. I can't think myself out of this. There's no human aid. Nothing else worked for me. Absolutely nothing. But, page top of 55, but for the grace of God, there is a solution. It's called doing these steps, working, taking actions. Because my thinking isn't going to do it, so it doesn't make any difference what you're thinking. It's called do the work. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica T. Reva P., you are up, followed by Harlan G. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. I love these paragraphs because I need to know what my problem is before I am motivated to do anything about it and work on the solution. And it's telling me the facts, and it's telling me um, the truth that I'm doomed for two reasons. First, the allergy of the body, and now, even if I wanted to try being abstinent only, it's telling me it's not going to work. And I'm so grateful that I can chuckle when I hear stories of what goes on in my mind, you know, looking at different foods and thinking, i got to try this one, and how about that one, and all the excuses. Um, because I can still relate, because that's me. And that dooms me um, to pick up, no matter how long I'm abstinent in a white-knuckled way. But what I wanted to focus on was this business of the but. And this is a positive but um, for the grace of God. Um, Because the paradox for me is knowing all of this, the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, it's so easy to get caught up in thinking that I'm supposed to change my thinking. But I'm not. If the problem is the thinking, then my sick mind can't fix the sick mind. And the whole purpose of carrying on with the rest of the steps is to just clean out and clear my channel, clear my mind. That's all the work is. I'm not trying to fix or change anything. I'm trying to clean out all the gook. And that's where the grace of God comes in because once I clean, it's like cleaning out a pipe, like nothing can flow through it if it's all clogged. And once I clean it out, the grace of God is like just being still and I need to do nothing. The efforting is so not necessary. Um, the, The effort is all about clearing away blocks, which just blows my mind and how the grace of God comes in, whether it's with the food and I pause and just say the quickest prayer, which is help, um, or whether it's, you know, working on the defects through um, the step work and then waiting and listening. Um, It's just 
so mind-boggling. I always thought it was so much more difficult that I had to, you know, change myself. Um, but if I'm doomed in this way, I can't. And it's telling me over and over and again that I can't. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Harlan G., it's your turn. Is that me? That's you. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I was a little slow on the draw on mooting today. I'm a little under the weather today. I'm Harlan G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona, where it will be about 84 degrees this morning or today, just so you know. And, Amy, I want to thank you for your service, and I also want to thank Team Tuesday. The almost certain consequences, for me, you can take out the word almost, the certain consequences that follow even taking a Oreo cookie or a Ritz cracker or a Kit Kat bar do not crowd into my mind to deter us. I never really thought about why I was eating when I was eating constantly. This disease for me was a constant state of defeat. I kept waiting for somebody to come and help me. I kept waiting to be struck abstinent because I deserved it. I kept waiting for the thing or the girl or the situation to change so that I could get abstinent. I ate and ate and ate for one reason and one reason only. I cannot bear the pain of not eating. And the pain of not eating is too much for me to take. I wanted to die. I didn't care. I was in a state of defeat. And I did not care when people said to me, you're going to die. I welcomed it in my mind because I knew in my mind that I didn't try as hard as I could in school. I didn't try as hard as I could in life, but I did everything I could to try to limit the amount of Oreo cookies that I was eating, and I was a failure. It was not until the fear of more eating outweighed the fear of giving up the food that I had hit a bottom. And I didn't want to die anymore before I saw what it was like to have lived. And there was only one solution for me. Money wasn't it. Things that are of this earth were not it. Only through the working of the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous to affect a spiritual awakening as the result of those steps gave me respite from the storm. Meetings didn't do it. I went to hundreds of meetings where I would eat my way to the meeting, I would pray for a Russian airstrike during the meeting, and I would eat my way home. The fellowship didn't do it. They encouraged me. They helped me. So did meetings but they didn't get me abstinent. What got me abstinent was taking action after action after action that I saw working in others, and I started taking that action, and then the willingness came. It wasn't the other way around. I had to take action, and then the willingness came, and I had to work these steps like my hair was on fire, and looking back, it was the greatest miracle I could ever have witnessed. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. 
Thank you, Harlan G. Okay, so we have a little under uh, 10 minutes, so we can take a few more shares, three, maybe four shares. Who would like to chime in? We are on page 24, second paragraph, doing three paragraphs. Darian K. Darian K. Jan S. Roanne M. Jan S. Roanne M. Ann K. Ann K. Let's try to go for that. Let's see what we got. Well, seven minutes, so it'll be tight. I tell you what, if everyone could go, you know, two and a half, something like that, two, four, six, eight, yeah, two minutes or so, or just we'll do the best we can, okay? So, Darian K., please go ahead, followed by Dan. Thank you. Yep, thank you. Hi, I'm Darian K. I'm in Massachusetts with a winter storm warning ahead. <laughs> oh, this lovely New England weather. Um, so I, um, I'm so grateful to hear everybody. Just so incredibly grateful to get this gift every morning. Um, I, you know, just thinking, um, I work with kids um, with social pragmatic uh, difficulties. And we talk about things that are expected and unexpected and consequences. And I know it just was all coming to my mind when people were sharing because there's, <laughs> I never think in terms of that when it comes to the food. I and mean, I never did before a program. It wasn't unexpected to, you know, cheat on my diet or, you know, eat whatever I wanted to on the weekends and then get right back on Monday and really expect to lose like a significant amount of weight doing that. Um, or, you know, going to, you know, different diet programs and, you know, showing up on that fab fabulous scale that was, you know, the god of the room and, um, and just wondering why. Why didn't I lose anything? Uh, what, a, what a mystery. And meanwhile, I didn't stick to any food plan or diet plan. I really, you know, ate whatever I wanted to and, um, and lied through omission. And that's, that's a biggie, lying through omission. If you don't ask me, I won't tell you. And um, so all of this unexpected behavior <laughs> um, on my part and then not ever thinking about the consequence of, of what, what it is that, um, that may happen. And I really believe in my heart of hearts that I didn't come in at my top weight um, when I came in um, in 86. I really think that I did not eat the way that I wanted to eat. Um, just I'll wrap this up. I, you know, I definitely didn't do a lot of eating in the middle of the night and binging boxes and bags. I was feeling too guilty. So I really think that my top weight is out there just waiting for me to, uh, to lose this wonderful program. So with that, you know, I just want to say, please, please, I hope I always stick with this program till the day I die. Thank you. Thank you, Darren K. Jan S., you're up, followed by Roanne Ann. And Ann K., I don't think we're going to get to you, so please think about the next hour to share, okay? Go ahead, Roanne. I mean, Jan, I'm sorry, Jan, Jan S., go ahead, please. Good morning. This is Jan S. from St. Augustine, Florida. Thank you so much for everybody's shares today and all your service. Um, I, I lied to myself for so long before I got into program thinking that I could just handle it this time and that today's a new day. 
okay, I blew it yesterday. I'll be good today. You know, we all have similar stories. But it wasn't until I clearly understood that I had an addiction that, like any other fatal disease or malady, will kill me. It will kill me. Sooner or later, it will kill me. So, you know, until I understood that, you know, I wasn't going to be as desperate as the dying could be, you know. And even in recovery for so many years, I still didn't get that piece. You know, I'm in 35 years. It took me like 29, 30 years before it finally sunk in that one little slip is, you know, may not get me back on my program tomorrow like I wanted to tell myself. Oh, I'll just get back on tomorrow. I'll call my sponsor. Everything will be fine. No, no. I had to really, really clearly understand that nothing was going to change this disease in my life. Nothing. And that the only power that was going to help me was going to be a power greater than myself that I choose to call God today because I was truly beyond human aid, my own and anyone else's. And so thank you for the steps and the principles embodied in the steps because the first, the first step is honesty. The first principle of step one is honesty. And I'm so grateful today that I want to be honest. And I know that that's part of all these, you know, all the principles and all the steps are part of my spiritual solution today. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Jan S. Roanne M., please take us out. Hi, this is Roanne M., Gratefully Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. Amy, I apologize. I was Harlan's spokesperson. I just, you couldn't hear him. I really wanted him to share my apologies. Um, Anyway, I really wanted to share about these paragraphs. They're talking here about the mental blank spot. And what that is, is that, you know, they talk about, you know, the men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. They talk about that in the doctor's opinion. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot after a time differentiate the truth from the false. That was me. I ate because I wanted the effect produced by the food. I didn't remember what the food did to me. I only remembered what the food did for me, and I didn't care about how much torture, how much pain the food brought into my life. I only cared about the effect that it did for me. I wanted to be taken into a different reality. I was so miserable in my current state that I just wanted oblivion. They say there is a line in Bill's story where Bill says one, two bottles and then oblivion, where he's drinking two bottles of gin, then oblivion. That's what I wanted. I wanted oblivion. I wanted to be somewhere else. I wanted to be someone else. I was so miserable with my life. And, you know, it says the, uh, there's a complete failure of the kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on a hot stove. That is the exact definition of the mental blank spot. And I just, you know, I kept going back to my alcoholic foods time and time again because I just, it was the euphoric recall. Like I said, it, it won't burn me this time, so here's how. I kept trying to convince myself that I could eat like other people. 
And that was the lie. That was the lie that the disease was telling me. And then I would be pounding on the bar again, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again? And then it's, you know, like the doctor's opinion, the well-known stages of esprit, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. This is repeated over and over. And unless there's, this person can experience an entire psychic change, there's very little hope of his recovery. Right. That is the cycle. Um, I just want to say that I'm very grateful to be on the line, and thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Oriana M. I'd like to thank everyone who shared today. I'm sorry for those I did not hear or who were not able to get on the line, but please, please join us for our second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. For the share ID for today's Vision for You meeting, 7 a.m. February 6th is 11,011. That is 11011. We will now close with a reading of the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity, fr- serenity prayer. Martha Z, could you please read that for us? Good morning, my friends in recovery. This is Martha Z. I am a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.